to see you guys. Welcome, welcome, especially all you guys in here, but then those who are joining us online right now, it's, we're really glad that you're tuning in or maybe you're listening in as you're driving or going about your business on our podcast. But however it is you're connecting, we're really glad that you are part of today. We are in the sixth week of this series, if you can believe it or not. It feels like we just started it in many ways, um, where we have been talking about something in the water. And so what we've been doing is we've been looking at these profound moments in Scripture and seeing how God uses water to teach us something, to show us something, to reveal who he is. And so today, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 14. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Matthew 14. And if not, that's okay. It will be on the screen. Um, and while you're finding that and getting there, today is a really special day. Actually, it was, it was really Wednesday, but, but we're celebrating it today because um, it is our second anniversary of the Porch Community Church today. I know. I'm excited. And it, it seems like it was 12 years ago. I don't know, like a lot has happened in that time frame, but it was just two years ago, uh, July 14th of 2019, that we had our first ever worship services as a new church in our community. And uh, I wanted to share just a couple of things with you real quick about that, because I think, you know, as you have anniversaries and these important milestones in, in your life, that it's, it's important to go, wow, what, what's happened in that time? And so... Um, since we started, July 14th, 2019, we've had uh, 393 people partner in ministry with us, which is just our terminology for joining. But we don't want people to join. We want people to partner. We want people to be partners in ministry. So we've had almost 400 people do that. The, here's the best one to me is we've had somewhere over, and it's hard for, we don't know exactly, um, and that's that's okay, because I think the number's even higher than the number I'm about to tell you, but we've had somewhere around over 125 people say yes to the love and the grace and the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. That's why we're here. That's why we're a church. That's why we open the doors. And we've had, and I, we've had 25 people uh, participate in the sacrament of baptism. And so it's just been a really, really great time. And I just think today on this, on this second anniversary, right, of our first ever worship service, I think that we, number one, we, we celebrate Jesus. Uh, this is why we're here. We celebrate Jesus. But we also celebrate the lives that have been impacted, uh, eternally impacted, might I, might I add, by him and, and the lives here we go. You ready? The lives that are going to be impacted as we continue as the church in our community. Uh, check out this short little video we want to show you celebrate, uh, celebrating the past two years. But yeah, that's been the past two years, and I'm um, super excited. Are you guys excited that we've had two years of our, of our time together as a, as a church family? So, mosey on this way. See. If you're if you're in the if you can see well, then you're not in the light. So now you're in the light. So uh, I, I did I could think of no other better time to to celebrate um, the Jones family, uh, Bart and Tammy and Matthew up here, and um, they you've been you've been around. You started coming as a college student, young adult, got connected, and your parents were probably like, well, we got, what's this church you're going to, dude? And and they started coming along, and and you guys have made this your church home. 
And uh, we're just so excited. And so today they are officially partnering in ministry with us. And, and there's two questions we ask everyone who wants to do this. And the first one's the most important. And it's, are you a follower of Jesus? Yes, Absolutely. Abs- I love that. Absolutely, wholeheartedly, and yes, ma'am. I like those. <laughs> you taught him well. And because you're followers of Jesus, then we say, okay, now that you want to partner in ministry with the porch, will you be here? Will you show up? Will you do your part? Will you use the gifts that God has given you? Uh, When the time comes, when the opportunities are there for you to do your part for the church, will you support the church? Uh, Will you pray for the church? Will you pray for your staff? Will you pray for me, please? Um, uh, Will you you just be here and be involved and allow God to use you to help impact the community? So those kinds of numbers we just read are a lot bigger even next year. Will you guys do that? Well, will you guys welcome Bart and Tammy and Matthew Jones officially into the Porch Community Church. We love you guys. Thank you. Thank you, ma'am. Love you. Love you. Real, real men wear pink is what I told Bart earlier. It looks good. It looks good. Thank you, family. So Matthew chapter 14 uh, is here we're, we're going to pick up this story, okay? So we're in something in the water. We're talking about something in the water and, and what's happened, um, how God has used water. And we're going to start in verse 22, but we're going we're to backtrack from there for a moment because verse 22 starts with these words, immediately after this, which when you start there, you got to go, well, what are they talking about? Like what, what's happening here when it says immediately after this? Well, what is the this? Okay, well, Jesus had just fed, they, I mean, the numbers are who knows, but 15,000 people plus, because it said 5,000 men, and they know that women and children were there as well. So you're thinking at least 15,000, probably more, but Jesus had just performed a miracle because he took five loaves and two fish, and he fed 15 to 20,000 people, Okay. So this is what's just happened. And then it says, immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat because they had got there by the boat. So now they get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. So the disciples get in the boat and they go. Jesus is still there. He is dismissing people. He's like, yes, go, you know, go on. Let's, let's go on home. Verse 23 After sending them home, he, talking about Jesus, went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Matthew is very intentional about setting the stage and letting you know that the disciples went on a boat and went one way, and Jesus was alone and still on land and then had gone off to pray. So Jesus is, he's taking a minute (laughs) If you go back and read in more into Matthew 14, he needs time to pray. He, he is human. He, he's got a, the human body, so he is tired. And he was actually on his way to, to rest and pray. And then the, he started teaching, and they ended up having to do this miracle. Not having to do. They get to do this miracle feeding 15,000 plus people. So he was already exhausted and he so he's like okay we've done this you guys go on I'm gonna go and pray and so the disciples go from I think about this the disciples go from what was one of the largest crowds one of the biggest miraculous moments 
and, and then they go to one of the most least attended experiences that we're about to look at in just a moment. So imagine 15 to 20,000, and then it's just them in a boat. Verse 24. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land. Again, Matthew is he's kind of setting the story up so that any skeptics, any people who want to dismiss the, the account of this happening are, are not, they're like, oh no, Jesus was already with them. No, no, they went off in a boat and he went off to pray. Oh, well, they were really close to the land. No, 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 they were far away from the land according to verse 24. And then it says this, for a strong wind, meanwhile the disciples were in trouble far away from land, for a strong wind had risen and they were fighting heavy waves. Now, like I said, there's these skeptics, right? These skeptics that come along and they question the storm and they question uh, the storm coming on so quickly. I don't know how many of you are people that go out on the water and you go out in a boat, but if you've ever been out in a boat on any amount of, 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 of water, you know, a lake, a, a bay, uh, the ocean, storms come quick, don't they? Storms will come up real quick. And so it, it's not any news to anyone who's not, you know, has been on the water before. So they're on the, the Sea of Galilee. Here's something important to note, like geographically. Uh, the Sea of Galilee is about 700 feet below sea level. And it's surrounded by hills and, you know, smaller mountains. So it's just like down in this, in this you know, lower depressed area, right? And so whenever the cold air from the top of the, the, high, the really high hills and the mountains there... Whenever they would sweep down, they would collide with the warm air that was surrounding the surface of the water, and these nasty storms would just come up out of nowhere, absolutely nowhere, and these storms would occur. And John tells us that the sea became rough, which means it wasn't rough before. So it's not like they pushed off in their boat going, whoo, this is going to be a doozy. They were like, hey, we're just cruising along. It became rough. So it wasn't, you know, it, this all happened suddenly. It's important. Matthew wants us to know this account. He wants us to understand the, the miraculousness of what's about to happen. So they set sail, it wasn't rough, but somewhere midway through their crossing, the winds kick up, the waves begin to, to crash against them, and it's nighttime, and things don't look very good at all. And so here are the disciples, and I'm just trying, I was sitting this week thinking about this, how absolutely I mean, excited is so not enough of the word. I don't know, amped, how, ex how they, they, they had just come off of this miracle of feeding all these people with just a couple of loaves and a couple of fish. I mean, they got to be part, right? Because they were the distributors. They got to carry the baskets. They were watching as these things were multiplied. Like, oh my goodness, this, we only had this and now there's this. And they are a part of this miracle. And now they are in a boat in the middle of the night, in the middle of the boat, Jesus isn't with them, and their world is confusing. <laughs> and, and I was thinking about this, like they had, they had to be so overwhelmed with excitement and joy and looking forward to what Jesus was going to do next 
Like, oh man, I can't wait to see what he does next. I mean, we just, can you believe that? I mean, can you, can you just imagine them getting into the boat going, you know, like, wow, can you, that was so great. That was so awesome. Yeah, let's go to the other side. Let's see what tomorrow brings. And then 3 a.m. comes along and they're in a boat and the storm comes. And I think the progression between verses 13 and to, to 21 and verses 22 to 33 are a very accurate description of the Jesus following life. And what I mean by that is that like our greatest, most exciting moments that, that you and I, many of us in here have had, these exciting moments with God, these moments that we can't believe we witnessed, we can't believe we actually got to be a part of them. Like we, we are in these moments of this Jesus following life and then they are followed by really, really hard times, really difficult circumstances by, by really challenges that we, we don't know how we're going to overcome. Because they're in the middle of lake slash sea, you know, they, they kind of interchange those words. They're in a storm in a boat by themselves. And they've just been witness to this. They've participated in this. They've done all this in the afternoon, and now it's dark, and they're alone. And if that doesn't describe the Jesus following life, I don't know what does. Because it's not always perfect. It's not always uh, everything's going to be great. It's not always, it, there's times when it's difficult. There's times when your faith is challenged. There's times when you know that you know that you know, but still what you see and what you hear and what you feel seem to be in direct contradiction to this. And so the scene is now set for the next extraordinary, miraculous event. And it happens in the middle of the night, in the middle of a storm, in the middle of the sea. Verse 25, about three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage, I am here. And those words are very profound, porch community. You see, some of you in here, some of you online, some of you listening, you may be desperate right now for these words from Jesus. Don't be afraid. Take courage. I am here. You might not actually be in a boat in the middle of the ocean, but that's exactly what the circumstances are. And you're, you're desperate for these words. Desperate, desperate to hear words of hope or words of comfort or words of salvation as you feel caught up in this storm that you did not see coming and you don't see another way out from. 
Jesus enters into the storm. He enters into our, our darkness. He enters into when we think everything is hopeless. And he says, don't be afraid. Take courage. I'm here. So in the face of this storm, Jesus meets us. He tells us not to be afraid. And sometimes we want assurance, though, don't we? Sometimes we just want that little bit more, which we find in his disciple Peter. In verse 28, Peter, he cracks me up. (laughs) Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. I mean, tell me to come to you. And so this is what, in verse 29, yes, come, Jesus said. Or maybe he was hoping all 12 of them had said, tell us to come to you, tell us to come meet you walking on the water. I don't know what the expectations were, but when Peter said, oh, if it's really you, tell me to, uh, tell me to come to you, and I'll, I'll meet you a little bit of the way. I, I don't know. I, I picture myself just on the boat going, oh, thank you, Jesus. I'm glad you're here. Please get into this boat right now. Sit right next to me, please. But Peter is like, no, 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 I want to come out there to you. Tell me to come out there. And so he says, yes, come. And so Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water towards Jesus. We don't know how many steps Peter took. One, two, 12. We don't know. It wasn't recorded. Peter could probably tell you. But here is Peter who's coming off of his loaves and fishes high, right? And he is terrified, but he's also expectant. Oh, you're walking on water, Jesus? Then I'll walk on water too. Oh, you're, you're walking on water in the middle of this storm, in the middle of the night, in the middle of this, this ocean? Oh, I'll do that too. He's ready for another miracle. He's ready for another move of God. He's ready for Jesus to show himself in another way. And then verse 30 comes along. (laughs) But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified. I would say he was terrified again because he was just terrified about the storm. When he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and he began to sink. See, he didn't just drop under immediately. It says he began to sink, and he was actually had time to say, Save me, Lord. So here's Peter in this moment of, of expecting a miracle, just experiencing a miracle, expecting another one, and yet he resorts back to his his understanding of how things used to be, right? Like the the way things used to be, like, oh, people don't walk on water. <laughs> you know, expecting. He's he's on any any of you do this where you forecast how something's gonna play out? And you can imagine Peter taking one or two steps on the water and then going, Oh, I'm not supposed to walk on water, and down he goes, because we look ahead. Jesus is saying, No, come, you can come to me. Yes, come, Peter. He didn't say, come three steps, Peter, and then you're going to go under. He just said, come. Do we, 
Do you connect with Peter in this? Like in the, in the middle of God working, in the middle of God revealing himself to you through scripture, through, through uh, times of worship, through, in times of prayer, in, in, in your study and reading and in messages and all these things, like in, in, the, in the middle of God working and revealing himself and, and reassuring us, doing only what he can do, how often do we look around at our, our surroundings and what do we see? We, sometimes we, we, we see storm, we see dark clouds, we see no way out, and down we go. Can anyone relate to this? And I, I can't, I really don't know if I can think of a better example of a Jesus following life than what Peter experiences here in Matthew chapter 14. Experiencing, experiencing that spiritual high, participating in that miracle, and then finding himself in a storm, and then ready to do something you see Jesus doing, only to take your eyes off of him and going under. I've had this message in my notes and working on it, and i kind of working on several messages at a time, and and so for several weeks, just being a little transparent here with you for a minute, I had in brackets here in my notes, share a personal story of a high and then a low. And because I've had several weeks to think about it, I could, I could tell you several. <laughs> but I'm not joking when I say <laughs> that this high fear Doubt, low, high again, practically describes a regular week for me. And I don't mean that in like a, like a, a challenge or like, oh no, what am I going to do? Like this is a, a, like a, some sort of a crisis of faith thing. But I've got to say like the, the absolute joy, the, the high, the, the, that, that uh, experience of being in worship together. Every week, of, of being here together, of sharing the message, of, of, of being on and leading your staff, those kinds of, all these, these live out the mission opportunities to follow Jesus for our community, all these things, it is incredible. But then, sometimes a storm comes along, and sometimes it's a storm I create. Anyone relate to that? Sometimes it's a storm I'm invited into because I'm the pastor. So I'll put on my life jacket and go jump in the storm with you. Sometimes it's a storm that someone's going in because they're, they've lost someone they love deeply. They're trying to process that. Or a relationship is disintegrating and that is a storm. Or it's... Uh, you know, a family that's having all sorts of, of, of things going on and it's just collapsing in on itself. And that is a storm. You know, precious, sincere people who get angry at God, that's a storm. Who get angry at the church, that's a storm. Who get angry at the pastor, it's a storm. And the only sliver of 
hope in those storms, the only promise, the only thing that makes sense is Jesus walking towards me in the storm. It's the only thing that makes sense. Is Jesus doing only what he can do and walking to me, towards me in the storm? And, and there are times, like Peter, I want to jump out of the boat and run right to him. And then there are those times when I just say, would you please get in the boat with me, Jesus, and sit here? Because there's times when I, I step towards him, but, but I'm overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed by the details of the storm. And down I go. But this, if you can relate to that, this is how Jesus responds to us. Verse 31. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him, Peter. And then he said, you have so little faith. Why did you doubt me? And I thought about this. You know, a lot of people could read verse 31 in Matthew 14 and feel kind of bad, like, Oh, no, I've disappointed Jesus. Like, here's Jesus scolding me. Like, oh, like, who? That's the worst thing. Like, as kids, we would, the worst things you can hear from a parent is not, I'm really mad at you. It's what, I'm really disappointed in you. It's like the worst. And here, it's like, oh, you don't want to disappoint Jesus. And, and you can feel that way. Having him call you out for a lack of faith, I get that. But I take great comfort in the words, and I want you to as well. I take great comfort in these words. And again, Matthew's making a point of us getting this. Because he doesn't say eventually. He says immediately. Immediately. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. Immediately. Before Jesus said a word, look at the scriptures. Before Jesus said anything to him, before he said, why did you doubt me? Oh, your lack of faith. Oh, no. Before any of that, he reached out and grabbed him. And I take comfort in that. These storms will come. Storms are going to come. And there will be times when I will take my eyes off Jesus and focus instead on the storm. But when I start to sink, he reaches out. He reaches out and he grabs us. And then verse 32, now just continue with me on this, knowing that Matthew's being very specific here, because then he writes, when they climbed back into the boat... The wind stopped. The storm stopped. It just stopped. The wind stopped. Whatever was causing the storm to stir up, it stopped. And it says when they got back in the boat, it stopped. So, Porch Community, let me just say this to you this morning. Let Jesus in your boat. Let him in. Let him in your boat. The storms are going to come. Let him in your boat. He's not far away. He was coming to them already. Let him in the boat. Don't get back in that boat alone. Could you imagine if Peter just kind of 
slumped on into the boat, and there's Jesus just standing out in the water like, "Mm mm-hmm. I mean, how, but no, when they got back in, Jesus got back in the boat with them. Jesus didn't need a boat, but he got back in the boat with them. Let him in. Let him in. Too many of us, we, we, we get back in the boat, and then we're prepared to white knuckle the next storm that comes along. Like, oh, next time I'll make it. Next time I'll get it. Next time I'll do it. I, I won't need any help. I won't need anything. I won't need to cry out to Jesus. No, next time I've got it. Let Jesus in the boat. There's another account of Jesus calming a storm. It's six chapters earlier in Matthew chapter 8. And it says this beginning in verse 23. It's another story. Then Jesus got into the boat and started across the lake with his disciples. So this time he's in the boat with them and they're going across the lake. Suddenly a fierce storm struck the lake because that's what happens. The, the, the conditions were right for storms to come up a lot. And so a storm comes up with waves breaking into the boat. So it's bad. But Jesus was sleeping. A lot of us have heard this story before. The disciples went and woke him up. Lord, save us, we're going to drown. And Jesus responded with almost the same thing he said to Peter as Peter was walking on the water and sinking. Why are you afraid? You have so little faith. Then he got up, Jesus did, and he rebuked the wind and the waves, and suddenly there was a great calm. So we're in this series called Something in the Water. When Jesus is recorded on several times calming storms on the water, it's pretty significant, to say the least. And I don't, I don't know about, about you, but I don't, I don't know of any storm calmers. <laughs> like, I've never heard any other examples of people who have the ability to make storms stop. I've never heard of it. I, I've never seen it. It's not a common ability that you see around, but Jesus is not your ordinary person, right? And the only other time that you can find in Scripture where the storm is calmed is in Psalm 89. In verse 8 and 9, it says, Who is like you, God Almighty? You, Lord, are mighty, and your faithfulness surrounds you. You rule over the surging sea. And when its waves mount up, you still them. He's the one who's in control over the storms and the waters. Calming the chaos is what he does. So back to Matthew 14. The response of the disciples now after... Jesus, the storm has raged. They've experienced the miracle. They've had the high of, wow, we got to be a part of this. They get in the boat. The, The storm comes along. It's raging. It's the middle of the night. They're in the middle of the sea. Here comes Jesus walking to them. Peter has the audacity to say, wow, if it's really you, then tell me to come to you. And so Jesus does. And Peter takes some amount of steps on the water, just like Jesus. And then down he goes. 
And immediately Jesus pulls him up. And then he says, why? Why did you doubt me? And then the response of the disciples makes sense. Because once Jesus got back in that boat with Peter, the storm calmed. Everything stopped. I mean, can you imagine the wind is howling? It's whistling. It's making noises. The waves are crashing. Everyone's probably like, ah. I mean, there's a lot of sound going on. It's a very tense, anxious moment. And then the storm is calmed when Jesus gets back in the boat. And the response of the disciples in verse 33 says that the disciples worshipped him. They worshipped him. And they exclaimed, you really are the son of God. As the band comes out and we spend a little time in worship together this morning, I want, I want you to hear this. See, what this morning can be, this is what this morning can be, okay? This can be one of those kind of moments. This morning could be the beginning of a relationship with Jesus that you've heard other people speak about. You've heard other people talk about. You've heard them talk about, I follow Jesus. I said yes to Jesus. I'm a Christian. I, I, I love him. Like I, You've heard people talk about this. Today could be the beginning of that relationship. Today could be the, the renewal of a long, dormant, stale relationship. <laughs> that you've forsaken, that you've forgotten, that you've put on the back burner. Today could be the day that you let him calm the storms of your life. That's what today could be. And you simply tell Jesus, I'm not going to do it on my own anymore. I'm not going to do this on my own anymore. I remember so clearly the day that I did that 27 years ago. <laughs> Gosh. I told him, just like the disciples, I said, as I was reading his word alone in my house, I believed he really is the Son of God. I said those words. And then I spent a considerable amount of time confessing what a mess I had made of my life up to that point. And I cried tears of immense regret and sorrow. And I remember just repeating, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the things that I had done. I was sorry for things that I could not even recall that I knew must have grieved him deeply. And showed contempt for his sacrifice. And I also cried tears of joy, realizing the answer to that nagging question of what is this life really all about? What is it all about? 
What's the point? The storms keep coming. The storms keep raging. I keep getting tossed around. It keeps happening. What's the point? The answer to that nagging question is Jesus. Porch community, there's something in the water. And as we look at Matthew chapter 14 today, it is Jesus. It's Jesus. He calms the storms in your life. He calms them. He lifts you out when you go under. Let him in your boat. Father, we come to you and we say, sorry, thank you, um, wow. <laughs> we, we declare that you are the Son of God and you do perform miracles. And in many ways, the greatest miracle it seems that you have done is that you've taken the worst of sinners and given them life. And if I had to guess, God, we would probably get in line and try to be in first place to say, no, no, I'm the worst. No, I am. No, no, it's me. You immediately reach out to us when we go under. When we call out to you, Lord, please help me, I'm going under. You immediately reach out and pull us up. God, I pray that is the, the call, the, the cry of every single heart today. We would let you lift us out. We would proclaim that you are the Son of God, that you have given yourself as a sacrifice for us. You've paid the price for us. The penalty of our sin is death, and Jesus took that upon himself. And just as he rose from the grave, <laughs> we rise out from under the water when we go down. God, we say thank you for Jesus. You deserve our praise now. You deserve our worship. It is an act of, it is an offering we bring before you. It, I pray, God, that our, our time remaining this morning is an aroma that is so very good to you. God, we remember the opportunity we each have to, to give back to you. And, and the promise as ministry partners that we've made to support what you want to do. God, we want to keep telling people. We want people to know that your son reaches out and grabs them and we go under. 
So God, would you receive our worship now? And in just a little while, when the ushers come by, would you receive our gifts and our offerings? And it would all be in praise to you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.